Action Park Media. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dominic's Den. Today's guest is one of the most successful casting directors in the industry. She and her team have put together some of the greatest ensembles for some of the best shows on television. Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, The Handmaid's Tale, Barry, and The Walking Dead, just to name a few. There are so many. (laughs) I mean, she once said, casting directors are not only casting directors, we are also therapists. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Sherry Thomas. Hi. How you doing? It's good to see your face. It's really good to see your face, too. I love it. Congratulations on this. Thank you. Um, do you want to tell the audience how we met? Because we, we know each other for, for quite some time now. Yeah. Um, we met in two... Th- leading up to that horrible Super Bowl. Um, 2000... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I cried, literally wept. Um, what was it? Oh, four or five. I think so. I think, I, I, I think it was, what was, it was oh four with the pass. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we were all shocked (laughs) watching that thing. You remember that? Well, yes. And I was in a room full of New Yorkers who just, you know, didn't really care about my tragedy that was happening in that moment. Um, but we were we had the good fortune to um, cast you in one of our projects called SIS. And, SIS, John um, Hertzfeld. John Hertzfeld, and it was shooting in Arizona. And um, I believe you drove out there. You were not a flyer, and you drove. I drove. I wasn't. I wasn't really flying at that time. I was scared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of one of my besties Jackie Debiton was also in it and so I decided to go out and do a set visit and um that's when I really you know kind of got to know you because you're a New Yorker and I'm here in LA and we didn't have the opportunity to get to know each other in the audition rooms and you know in meetings and whatnot so um and and this is before Bialy no no no. Bialy and I have been um partners for 20 something years that's right. Wow. Yeah. I was a traveler. <laughs> well, I, rem- I I do remember this. I didn't have any kids. This My life was totally different. And which brings me to this point. I remember you had to go back to Los Angeles mm-hmm. for, I, I forgot what you were doing. I, I think you had a meeting or, or something. And, and then you drove back. Back. I think the same day. No. Right? Wasn't it the same day? No, it wasn't the same day, but I did have to come back and it was work related. And I was like, why not go back? I mean, the drive isn't that bad. It's like, you know, four or five hour drive. And so when you're single and you don't have kids, you're like, what else is there to do? So, yeah, it's important for me to have you on the show, not only because I love you and I know you a long time. Um, and by the way, those uh, shows that I mentioned, she didn't cast me in any of those shows. But um, so many misconceptions, right, mm-hmm. about acting, people you know in acting, uh, getting started, how people get jobs, who you know. Oh, don't you know this person? Can't you call this person? 
Can you clear up some of the misconceptions? Yes. Where would you like me to start? The ones that come across the most to you. I, I, I think a big misconception is that, um, you know, you hear a lot when actors are speaking about jobs that um, this producer saw me in such, um, the director hired me, the producer hired me. I'm so grateful, you know, for that. And and that is a piece of it. And And it's a great relationship to start. But I would say most often, 90% of the time, it is the relationship that has been cultivated with the casting director who then supports and builds that relationship and introduces the work of the actor, whether it be if they're an offer only person, um, it's impossible to know every single actor. I don't know every single actor. So our job as the casting director is to cultivate relationships with these actors and know the body of their work, know things about the actor that maybe hasn't been seen yet. Um, and so I think sometimes we get lost in the shuffle um, to, you know, when we really have supported and made that happen, but then, you know, we're sort of, you know, in, in, in the background and that's okay. Our job is to do just that. So that's one of the misconceptions. It's not necessarily the producer or the, the creator or the director that hired this person. Um, and hopefully it was a collaboration between us and said creative team where you talk about it. Um, I think another misconception is that, um, you know, some casting directors really collaborate and they have those relationships with their director, producers, you know, writers. Um, we're really fortunate we have that you know, um, with a lot of people and I think they trust us. And so they listen to, you know, um, I, I'm going to use you for an example, cause I'm talking to you and I, and I think it's, it's oh, I'm a hard sell. Yeah. Well, you're a New Yorker. And so, you know, most people, they just say, well, he's so New York. Um, he's, you know, his, um, accent is very, you know, thick and he modulate that. And I can't tell you how many times I have said he is an actor he can modulate the accent. He is more than what you've seen him do. Those opportunities that he's been given are the opportunities he's been given. And that's how we all know Dom. However, there is um, nuance and depth in him that if given the opportunity, he is an artist and an actor, he'll go there. Um, and... I feel like while I haven't cast you in any of those <laughs> very prominent shows, um, you know, there were two things I'm very proud of that you were cast in. One was Mrs. Fletcher, where you got to be... I Which is different. Very different. Very, very different. Romantic lead. And then another romantic lead, you know, in um, Lucky Seven that never kind of, you know, saw the light of day. But... I loved what that was going to be for you. You know, it always yeah, makes so me sad that that didn't make the air. Um, I think that also a misconception is that actors think that there is something that, that they're trying to put themselves into a box because they think that's what we want to see. Um, 
in the role. And a lot of times that's true, but um, what's on the page isn't necessarily what we want to see. We want to have, you guys have a creative license. So if I, you know, there's a running joke in my office. And do you know what that is? Oh, oh yeah. I think I, I, because I, I, Garnett has, has mentioned it to me. Yes, we know Dominic for that. You put me on every on every list. I do. I know. Yeah. Because I'm looking at your soul. I'm looking at who you are. And if the soul of the character matches the soul of Dominic, I don't care about the rest of it. I want to see what you're going to do with it. It's fu- it's funny you bring it up, uh, Sherry. It's because I told these guys. I said, listen, I I, I really need to get her on. Be- to answer all these misconception questions and 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 to see what the process is to educate the audience on on what the what this whole process is. Mm-hmm. But I told him I said she's one person who's always not only has she always been in my corner, but she's always thought outside the box for me. And I can't tell you how important and grateful I am for that. Mm-hmm. Because of how I came into this business, because of all the things that you said before, it's like, well, if you get, he's only you only see the body of work that I have done because those were the only chances I had, those were the only opportunities I had. But in the last few years, different things have come up, and the, the Ray Donovan stuff, the Mrs. Fletcher stuff. These are characters that I would they would never have brought me in the room uh, ten years ago. Yeah. Never. Right, right. And to go back to your quote, and and she, she's been my therapist a couple of times, <laughs> but uh, has there ever been an actor, actress, who yeah. you brought into a room yeah. who, it, it just didn't work. It, it just, the, the taping, she was, that this person wasn't comfortable in the room, but you knew Mm-hmm. that it was just a glitch for that day in that room and that person was very, very capable and you still had to sell them. How often does that happen? Well, you know, we have a... Uh, I miss being in the room with actors so much um, because that's really where you get to know them. This taping stuff is really difficult. It's really difficult. You're in a vacuum. You don't know. So no notes. No yeah. notes. No Tough. thing. And so I think that Sharon and I really, you know, that is the thing that we love. And a lot of casting directors pre-COVID had started to only operate with self-tapes. Um and that's a choice. And, and, um, but for us personally, I don't know how you really get to know an actor unless you're with them over a period of time. Um, Chris Marquette auditioned for us over a span of seven to 10 years on, I don't know. I mean, on every single thing, you know, he's just a great actor. He has he such a great soul and, um, I thought there would be a point where he would be like, I'm not going in for them anymore. I never book. I never book anything. I'm not doing it. But I think because we always worked the scenes, it's not like you come into our room, you do it once, and then we're like, thank you. See you later. Have a good day. Sometimes. Oh, absolutely. It's a great room. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes yeah. that happens, but 
most of the time we're going to give some sort of a note because we don't have the producers there. We don't have the director there. So we have to think for them as to, hmm, they didn't hit that one little nuanced moment of, you know, covering or whatever it is. Let's try it one more time. Don't show me so much. Let's just pull it back a little bit. Try it again. You know, don't give away so much and have the audience kind of go on this journey and question. I don't know. I'm making this shit up out of my ass right now in this moment. But um, then they do that. So we have a couple of variations. So if we send off what we send off and then they say, well, they kind of missed that beat. We go, "Mm -mm. got it. Hold on. And then you send it off. Um, and so anyway, Chris Marquette comes in on, you know, um, Barry and I was like, oh my God, he's finally going to book this. I just really feel like, oh my God, he's going to book this. And truth be told, I had another one of my guys that I love, Nate Cordry, and it was down to the two of them. And it was sort of the same thing with Nate. Chris Marquette got that. Um, and if, I don't know, I don't want to be a spoiler for Barry, but you know, go back and watch it because he's in like four episodes i think and he's fucking brilliant Um, yeah everybody's brilliant on that show we just had henry on um and uh i i can't wait for the new season but uh i know that's another story he auditioned dom henry winkler auditioned yeah i i i I still tell people i have to sing and dance for my food yes (laughs) and i do too yeah People are like, oh, you get offers? I say, yeah, every now and then I'll get an offer. But yeah, sometimes I have to sing and dance for my food if it's something that they're a little, yeah, if if they're not really sure about, I have to kind of prove to them that I'm in the ballpark and that kind of thing. But it, it yeah, of course. Um, it's very it's very important as an actor. Yeah. Walking into a room that, that, you, that you have where... It's warm, and I can't tell you how many times you walk into a room and it's really cold. I don't get it. I don't understand why. It happens. I know, but I don't understand why that exists. I'm inviting you to my home, and you might be the solution to my problem. So why would I be an asshole? It makes it, ma- it makes perfect sense to me, but we both know it happens. Yeah. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, when when did when did you know you wanted to be in this business? When I was like. I mean, I always knew, you know, I was one of those kids that grew up dancing and singing. I was, um, you know, I I danced at the local studio and, you know, um, I was really, um, I was very ambitious as a kid always. And if, 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 if I'm playing Charlie's Angels with my three friends running around the neighborhood, I had to be Farrah Fawcett. Like I wanted to just always be the one that was being, you know, kind of, kind of watched. And, um, I was considered very bossy as a kid. I guess now you call them leaders. I'm learning that with my two daughters. One of my, my oldest is extremely controlling and bossy, but I'm going to call her a leader in a positive light. Um, (laughs) can't do that anymore. Um, Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. But um, I, I used to say as a kid, you know, I'm going to live in Hollywood one day, but I didn't know what that meant. And um, when I was young, uh, I was, a, I was in some show and there was a, a kid agent manager there and um, 
one of the who was who represented what another studio mate you know dance studio mate and they approached my mom and said you know she's really great on stage and we would love to represent her it would require you coming back and forth to new york sometimes and um i had this thought in my head i'm like oh my god they're going to take me away from my parents i don't want to do it my mom had to like talk me off the ledge like i always went to the darkest most like the wicked witch of Oz is going to steal me and put me, you know, in the dungeon with the monkeys and I'm never going to see my parents again. And, um, how, how old, how old are we talking here? Seven, uh, eight. Yeah. Like, um, okay. eight. Yeah. About eight or nine. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Um, probably my daughter's age. Yeah. And, um, anyway, we started that process. I was, you know, the biggest thing for me was like, yay, I get to miss school and drive to New York city. You know, I didn't so much care about what was on the other side in New York, but, um, you know, I started to kind of get a little feel for it. And, um, you know, my mom got sick, as you know, my mom got sick and, and passed away. And so life shifted dramatically in some, to some degree. And, um, but I always, I, I thought if anything, I'd be in front of the camera. And then when I really kind of my dad looked at me one day and was like, you have two options. Either you stay in this town and you make a life for yourself here or you get the hell out and you go live out your dream. And I was 22 and I was like, but I'm 22. I'm too old. Everybody's graduating from college next year. I didn't go to college. What am I going to do? I mean, I was like, I was, it was a mess. And so I just, he said, and then one, a very close family friend who is now passed on, um, who's about five years older than me. She was like, set the date, rent the U-Haul and don't look back. And that's exactly what I did. If I didn't rent that U-Haul, it's so weird. I don't think I would have really left. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know anybody in LA. I just kind of was picking up and coming. I had 150 bucks in my pocket and I was an assistant manager at the gap. So I, I, I just was like, I'm going to take my two week vacation and drive cross country. And then when I came here, I knew I'd have a job and I'd have paychecks waiting for me of all of, you know, $297. Um, and, and then I just, just clawed, man. I slept on a couch for a year and a half and, you know, and then five years later, I had my own tiny little one bedroom apartment in Santa Monica, $500 a month, you know, and yeah, it was just great. And um, yeah, sorry. I kind of, when I look at you, I always see a strong person all the time, all the time. When I talk to you on the phone or I see you, I put my arms around you. When I see you, I, there's just something about you. Um, you're a very, very strong woman. I, when I think of Sherry, that's what I always, that's the first thing that comes to me. Because I know what you went through. I know what you had to do yeah. to get where you are right now. Yeah. And and all those misconceptions we talked about, knowing somebody, never applied to you. No. And never. No. No. Yeah, You. I, I think that you have to... Look, I grew up in a blue-collar family. My dad worked... You know, he was a registered nurse at the Northampton State Hospital... He was a supervisor, um, made a very decent living. I didn't want really for anything as a kid, but, but we never lived beyond our means. Like for him, 
he, he says that he, he always said like, you know, the day I was able to go to Sears and buy a washing machine with cash because the washing machine broke was the day that I felt secure because he grew up very poor, didn't have anything. And so, you know, everything was just modest. And now, you know, he's living comfortably, hopefully, you know, until the end, you know, whenever that is. But I just have such a strong sense of um, work ethic and that's all because of him. Yeah. So, yeah, same thing with me and my parents. Um, the blue collar thing, the work ethic, um, having stuff, getting stuff for yourself means a lot. You know, earning it. Yeah. How did you end up in casting? Mm. How did that happen? So I was working at the Gap in Century City, which where, if you know, is like uh, in Beverly Hills, border border of Beverly Hills. So I was like, oh my God, I hit the jackpot. I'm in Beverly Hills. So many stars are going to come in here. I'm going to be discovered. It's going to be amazing. Oh my God. And I remember Rosie O'Donnell came in one day and I was like ringing up her t-shirts. And I was like, ah, five of those. What's she doing? <laughs> it's coming purple. People were flipping out over Julia Roberts and I love her and she's amazing, but I always just got... I always just went like left of center. I was like, oh, it's Julia Roberts. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't, it, I didn't care. Nancy McKeon came in one day and I was like, oh, I mean, cause that was my childhood. Her and her brother had that show where they would skateboard. And so I, you know, I just, it, it was really, really fun. And so one of the girls that worked, her name was Shannon. She worked there. Her mother was very involved in the pediatric AIDS um, foundation. And they were, I don't know if you remember this, but on MTV, they used to do those celebrity um, charity basketball games. Yeah. A, you know, this is. I do. I remember it. Yeah. The 90s. And um, so they, I think they were doing that and she was looking for volunteers. You want to, you know, and then you can go to the game. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Because to me, I was like, oh my God, that's Hollywood. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> no idea. And so then. Um, so then Christian Slater was going to direct a play called The Laughter Epidemic, and all the money was going to go to the Pediatric AIDS Foundation. So they wanted people to make phone calls to raise money to buy tickets to bus kids in to see the show, you know, um, inner city kids and, and bring them into um, the gap in to see the show. And I was like, I'll make those calls. And it, ha it was out of Mary Jo Slater and Victoria Burroughs' suite. They were sharing office space. They were independent casting directors um they were not right right but they worked out the same thing so i was like i was like a, a next step up i was in there i was i was you know and so i was working really hard making these phone calls i arranged it with the gap that i would work every weekend so i could have two days off during the week to be able to do this an intern and all the other managers were like yeah of course you can work every weekend <laughs> so um that's called sacrifice yeah and i think that speaks to prioritizing like I don't have a sense of entitlement which is my biggest fucking pet peeve it's my Achilles heel I can't handle it I can't stand it I smell it I won't I just won't tolerate it um and so I I just have never had a sense of entitlement I work for everything that I have so anyway long story short I'm in there and Victoria's like hey Burroughs um she's like you know, if you're, when you're done with this, if you want to really intern in casting, 
like, let me know. I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm in. Great. I just didn't say no to anything. I was like, that sounds amazing. And so the first, (laughs) one of the, like my first week that I was there, she was like, do me a favor. It was lunchtime. And she said, do me a favor, go grab the sides and go. And you're like, did you know what sides were? Dude, it was lunchtime. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So I go to the waiting area and I'm like, sides, is it coleslaw? Where are the plates? Is it, I don't, is it condiment, coleslaw, french fries? I don't, what are we talking about? And Oh my God. You just answered another question. You answered my other question. You answered the other question. What's the most embarrassing moment? Well, that's not even it. So then this actor comes and he goes, hey, do you have the sides for Bob? And I was like, and I, because we're common sense people, me and you, because nobody else would, you know, my kid couldn't even do this. She'd be like, I can't find the signs. And I just was like, oh, yes, I do. Here you go. Here are the sides for Bob. And that's what I learned what sides were. They were pieces of the script. How about that? I, 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 now I really need to know what was like the most embarrassing moment or something that funny that happened. Oh, um, well, yeah. So <laughs> it was the final season of Breaking Bad, and I was literally nine months pregnant with my second kid, and I had had kids back to back pretty much. And so to the point where people would come in that, you know, cause you see actors maybe every six months, uh, once a year, depending yeah. on, you know, and so people would come in and they're like, you're still pregnant. <laughs> like, no, this is my second one. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Um, so we were doing this scene and on breaking bad. We, a lot of times we had to have um, dummy sides, which is they write scenes specific to what the character might be, you know, what that character might be because they don't want to give anything away in the, in the, but this one was not. So I was in the room and I'm nine months pregnant and I'm with Russell Scott, who is a casting director in our, in our office. And I, I, I'm trying to remember which actor was in there with me. I felt terrible. So there was a line in it and it said, um, junk in the trunk. And every single, time I said junk in the trunk I would start to giggle and and it's a really intense scene and if you go back and you watch Breaking Bad you'll hear it and so it wasn't like junk in the trunk it was like there's junk in the trunk like different meaning but I every it just made me giggle and so Russell would start giggling and then we couldn't look at each other and I'm literally I I had sores on the inside of my mouth from biting my cheek trying not to laugh and then one time I just couldn't hold it and I literally started hysterically laughing to the point where I'm crying and then Russell starts can you imagine being the actor he's like do you guys need a moment what Did that did that actor get the role? No, Jamie McShane did. But and it wasn't Jamie McShane. I'm trying so hard to remember who it was. It was the same time Jesse Plemons auditioned. Like it was that season. It was um, great actor. Love Love Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Work with him on The Irishman. Yeah, Yeah, he's just wonderful. I love him. 
good, good, good human being too. Um, yeah, I think that's important. I mean, I have a lot of embarrassing moments and most of them happen with my colleagues because we just have the best time at work. So it always, you know, involves laughing or being loud or, you know, it's a great room. Yeah. It's a great, I remember when I auditioned for lucky seven, mm-hmm. uh, cause every, everything else, I think I auditioned on tape. You had to be in LA at that time for some reason. Yeah. I remember that. Um, when you tell when when people find out you casted uh, Breaking Bad, what what's like the reaction you get? Because it's 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 like on everybody's top five show ever. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, I love your show. And look, it 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 changed the 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 course. You know, I, I think as you know, when you work on things that are um, critically acclaimed and have critical success, not necessarily commercial success, it can really change and open up doors that maybe wouldn't have been opened before. Um, To the point where I think like either during Breaking Bad or toward the end of it, um, we went in on a pilot at Fox and um, basically the producer told us in the room, like, I'm going to call the executives and we're going to start a deal and we want to, we want to hire you for this. Okay, great. And then, you know, somebody from Fox had to call us and say, we're so, we don't know how to say this. We're like, yeah. (laughs) And basically we were not approved because we were not shiny enough. Um, And at the time the people in charge did not feel that we were the right fit for what they were trying to create for the screen, which is okay. That's look, everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm, firm, firm believer in that. And, you know, and and we thought Mrs. Fletcher was a comedy. Yes. A lot of people did (laughs) it. I loved working on that show. I'm glad you did. You're doing the righteous gemstones and then, but then you're also doing Perry Mason. Yeah. Two, two, like, yeah. So now how does that work with, with, were you and Biali? Uh, do you take one job? Does she take another job? Well, we, yes, we used to do everything together. And here's the thing: for 20 years, we've sat. You know, my desk is here, and her desk is butt up against mine, facing me, and we face each other, and we are in constant contact, hearing what the other one is saying and whatnot. So even if we're not necessarily pointing a project together, meaning both of us working equally on it we're always listening and paying attention and focusing. So Perry Mason, um, you know, that was both of us. I sort of led it a little bit more, but you know, she's right there. And um, Comey, the Comey rule um, on Showtime, you know, that Brendan Gleeson was just um, nominated Mm -hmm. for that was really her and Gohar in our office. So as the company grew, which was never the intention, um, we had to sort of change a little bit what the model was, uh, but then we just did in treatment. There the, was really her and I again together. Um, but Perry Mason was, you know, I I, I, I I had never been in this business and worked with Tim Van Patten. And let me An tell amazing, you. Amazing, amazing, an amazing vision. Such a beautiful man. Such a beautiful man. Such an amazing vision. I didn't know a whole lot about him. I only knew what I knew. Um, and, and admired him, respected him and all of that. And when I did a little bit of a deep dive and then started to talk to him about it, he's me and you, like he did not go to college. 
He is not an entitled person. He's salami. I mean, he's salami. I have to just interrupt because I think it's funny. Anyway, so he comes on. This is... He's directed a few Sopranos that I know of at that particular... When we were shooting The Wire... And then he came on to shoot some of the wire, some episodes of the wire. So he was he was part of that rotation. Yes. Now, growing up with two older brothers who were eight, nine years older than me, I was watching like the the, the White Shadow. Yes, you know. And I, and I'm and he comes in. I, I go I go to Seth Gilliam. I go, holy shit, that's fucking salami. <laughs> and- it's true. Did he hear you? There are three guys, three. I think there are three actors on that show that Paltrow kind of groomed and schooled, who who are directors today, who are TV. Um, God, what did the other two? Um, I work with the other one. Ah, uh, I'm drawing a blank. And they're great. Yeah. Like if you work with Timmy Van Patten, and he's directing you. I work with him on The Wire. I work with him on Boardwalk Empire. Yes. And and um, he is an he's an actor's director. He cares about your opinion. He wants to now look. I I think we had to. Um, it was the first time we'd worked together on Perry Mason, but it wasn't long before we were really having these deep, meaningful conversations. And he he, I learned from him. And was able to articulate how I always felt. Because people always say, well, how do you know when an actor's right for a part? And I'm like, sometimes it's just your gut. You just know in your gut it's going to be perfect. And mm-hmm. you can't articulate and explain why. And I've always cared less about the exterior of, 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 of the actor and more about the work of the actor. And that's what inspired me to want to cast an actor. And he was the person who taught me. He was like... You know, it's about the, he just kept saying it's about the soul. It's about the soul. It's about the soul of the actor. Like he didn't care about the bullshit of what they were wearing in their wardrobe when they were auditioning and putting themselves on tape. And he just doesn't care about any of that, like nothing. And I was like, you're my people. And I, and then I was like, when the soul of the actor is met with the soul of the character, then it's, it's magic. And yeah, they think you have like this wardrobe. (laughs) Like, oh, hold on, let me go to my audition wardrobe closet and 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 get my police uniform out. Oh my god! Meaningless. It makes it. It's that's uh, yeah, but sometimes it's your representatives. I'm, I'm not saying mine, but it has happened in the past where they're like, yeah, you know, you should have put on a tie. You look what I'm like. If they're looking at my fucking tie, okay, yeah. then there's a problem. Then there's a problem. Also, they're creators. Aren't they supposed to be able to envision what that is? You would think, but sometimes you get, you know, you get the audition and the first page of the audition is this whole list of things that you need to do. And trust me, I, I've had a few in the last two weeks. Okay. And I'm, I'm like, I have to do all of this. <laughs> I can't just do the scene. Anyway. Anyway, I'm in love. I just love Timmy, and I just can't. I please God, let us be together again. Oh, uh, I hope so. I really, I really yeah. do. He's 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 one of my favorites. Now, when 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 they present you with the script, they present you with the show, and you're talking to the showrunner, the writer, or the director, depending what 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 medium we're talking yeah. about. 
What's the first thing they ask you? Am I meeting for the job or do I already have the job? No, you have the job. You're casting the job. Yeah. What's that conversation like? Is it like who, who do you have in mind or are you asking them who they think is right? <laughs> or are you bringing a list forward to them and saying, hey, Dominic Lombardozzi would be great for yeah. this? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's the thing in my office. I'll be like, "Oh my god, you guys! You know who would be great in this role?" And everybody goes, "Dominic Lombard." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, yes, he would." Um, no, but seriously, it, it 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 are they asking who who strikes first? Um, I think sometimes it's a combination of both. And I think that when you are, you know, when it's something like Perry Mason, I mean, that was a beast. I'll just use that as an example since we were talking about it. It was a beast. And there were so many different characters that all were within, you know, a five to 10 year age range and all sort of, you know, you wanted a certain texture of these actors. So we basically did a male list and, um, and just kind of any actor that inspired us in any way, we just put on that list. And, um, as a, as a point of conversation, as a, as a way to start dialogue, um, and conversation. And there were some that, you know, we really, I had very clear vision and thought process on. Um, Lithgow was, you know, the, the first one that came on board. And then Tatiana Maslany was the, the second mm-hmm. person that we kind of made a decision on for Sister Alice. And the rest of it was, um, you know, just kind of, once you have, once, once you start to put the first piece in place, then you can kind of build on it because you don't want somebody who has the same um, tone. You don't want somebody who, I mean, tone is not the right word. Yes. Everybody needs to feel like they're in the world. And and so tonally you want it to, to, to be um, uh, working together, but you don't want two Dominic Lombardozzi's next to each other because doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Not even if you try, but you know, we got, you know, you just want to like, make sure that there's a definition in each person and in each character. Um, has, has, I, I think it's going to end pretty soon. I, I don't, I'm not sure where they are with all this, but in the last few years, has the packaging, uh, deal affected you in any way? No. Because I go on projects and I'm like, oh, well, who's your and, and everybody belongs to like the same agency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes maybe that's the case, but also sometimes it's just coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But in um, us personally, is not. It, it doesn't affect. I don't give a shit about how many followers people have. I I I, I don't care. And I refuse when somebody pitches an actor to me in an email and they're like, and they have 2.1 million followers. If anything, it makes me go delete. That's not going to inspire me to want to cast an actor. And you know what I say to that? There are people who come out with movies, who headline movies, who have millions 
millions of followers. It's not a true representation of how a film does or how anything does. Or, or movies wouldn't bomb. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. <laughs> Sherry, you're in Dom's hot seat now, so I'm just going to fire off some questions to you. Obviously, we know where your biggest pet peeve is. We're all <laughs> looking at each other. She just nailed a few questions. And I know you like this. Uh, you're on You're on a karaoke stage. Yes. I love it. Okay. You want me to sing right <laughs> what now? Song, <laughs> what song are you singing? What song are you singing? Um, well, my go-to, because I can sing it and bring the house down, and that would be Last Dance by Donna Summer. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I forgot what bar was, and I think you did it in a bar. I did. Um, I sure did. Yeah. Um, name a movie. Name a movie that makes you cry. I mean, could you? I could name commercials that make me cry at this point. So many. Uh, only one. Anything. Anything. In terms of endearment. I think Phil said that. Phil said that. Phil, yeah. Phil said that movie too. Yeah. If if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, how old are you, and what is that piece of advice? Thirteen, and uh, it's all going to be okay. Sherry, you have a hero. My dad. There you go. I have a few questions from uh, social media, and I promise I'll uh, plug these people. So, Doctor Richard Levine, Levine, Levine. Uh, uh, how does? Sorry. I love you. How does a newcomer to the profession with a limited resume get his or her profile noticed and cast in more roles? Work begets work. So um, if you want to be a working actor, be a working actor. Christopher Walken said that too. Uh, Keep working. Yeah, you just, I mean, I, you know, I talk to a lot of people sometimes and sometimes it's, you know, of late, as you can imagine in the, in the pandemic, uh, people are struggling, you know? Um, and just recently, um, one of the, you know, a wonderful character, um, actor here in Los Angeles who makes a good portion of his living in guest star work, um, was having a hard time making his insurance and really needed to make his insurance. And so I reached out to his agent and I said, look, um, it's a really great scene in a, in a pilot I'm doing for Vanessa Bear, who's the, who's the lead, and it's with her. It is one line, but it is so funny and meaningful and significant. He was like, say no more. And I was just going to present his demo to see if they would offer it to him. Um, and he put himself on tape. He didn't have to do that. It's one line. So if you want to be a working actor, you find the work, do a play, um, Join join a class. I think there is a, going back to misconceptions, that to be an actor, it means you need to be famous and on a famous show. And if it, Two different things. Yes, two different. You want to be famous to be on movie, a show? Movie star, a movie star and an actor are two different things. I tell people that all yeah, the time. Also, go be a reality star. If you want to be famous, you know, there's a million of them out there. Go find one and be an asshole on screen. And there you go. You're famous. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
what's next for you? Um, I want to learn. I want to keep learning. I want to work with the Tim Van Pattens of the world and um, the Michael Showalters of the world and the Bill Haters and the Danny McBrides. And um, I want to... I want to keep learning, but I also think that, you know, during this downtime, I was able to very authentically have something come to me that people had always said for, you know, you should do this, you should do that, you should produce, you should do this. And, you know, um, I read my daughter's for school last year. It was the last book of her year that she needed to read. It's the fan favorite, students love it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what's so great about this book? And so I just happened to sit in a corner because I hadn't read a book in I don't know how long because I just only read scripts. And I started to read it and I was like, oh my God, I love this book. And I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, and there was something about it that spoke to me in my childhood and about the movies like Stand By Me and The Sandlot and The Bad News Bears that I grew up watching that... You know, I also had been watching a lot of shit television with my kids during this pandemic. And I was like, I can't take it anymore. There, there needs to be smart, good, interesting for both parent and child. And so I just tracked down the author and I sent her an email and I said, I love this and I see it on a screen. And I, if you want to talk to me, please give me a call. Here's who I am. And she called me and she talked for an hour and a half and I hold the rights to um, the, the book series. And, you know, at some point, um, I, you know, it's going to be great. You know, you take lemons and you make lemonade. Where are the girls? They're in school. They keep, one of them keeps coming in and I just go, this, this means I'm going <laughs> to get out. There's three things. I give them this. This means, mm, hold on. And then this is, I'm serious. And if I have to say, give me one second and I mute and turn the camera off, I'm going like, get the fuck out. That reminds me of that Everybody Loves Raymond episode where they're talking about discipline and they Ray has to discipline the kids and he does an absolutely horrible job. And 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 Frank goes, Frank goes, yeah, well, you know, you don't have the step. Well, the step was... That move, yeah. yeah. You got that. You got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been rough. I mean, I think that this whole thing. You know, I'm in my room. She's in her room trying to do school. My other one's down the hall, and Kyle's out. You know, in the back trying to do- building something. No, he's working. He's selling his avocados. He's killing it. People want avocados oh, during a pandemic, but um, you know, I think as a working mom, it makes you feel like a really shitty mom. When you, when you really have to say to your kids who are also struggling, like, get out, I'm working. And they don't, it, 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 you know, when, you, when, when you're their only source of like comfort or, or normalcy or whatever, you know, it's been rough. Do you want to plug anything? I don't know. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, follow me. Um, Sherry, I love you. I love you. Know you. That. I am so honored to be here with you. And I can't wait to hug you. I know. I know. You look great. And I love you. And congrats. You and too. And until we meet again. So let's say.